we have been talking for the last couple of weeks about planning, annual planning for this coming year, uh, staffing in such a weird kind of hybrid time, uh, groups and connection, assimilation, how we're going to get people connected when we're online and everything's digital. Uh, we've talked about live and online services, leadership teams, sermon series planning and, and preaching in general, uh, finances, uh, and what that's going to look like in 2021. And then strategic partnerships and collaboration is what we looked at last week. This week is kind of where the rubber hits the road in terms of your schedule and your life. Uh, so we're looking at how do you manage your schedule? How do you manage your priorities? How do you get done all the things we talked about uh, in a way that doesn't just blow up your schedule and dominate your life? So you actually have margin and free time uh, for your family and hobbies and all the other things you do. So this is, this is what we want to provide with Faster Guide is that kind of value to go, hey, this has to be real life helpful. Uh, can't just be kind of pie in the sky concepts like how is this actually hit the ground? And this is what we're kind of committed to with Pastor Guide. Awesome. Okay. Now, before we dive into today's topic, and I'm going to talk to you about your priorities and your time. Now that, you know, when I say that, maybe that sounds a little boring, but here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to free up 10 hours in your week. I'm trying to free you from, from durable meetings. All right. I'm trying to make that you aren't still trying to figure out what you're going to preach on, on Saturday. I'm trying to, to teach you how to invest your pastoral time and not lose your family because you're not spending time with them. All right. That's the kind of stuff that is nothing. Okay. My son is, my own is 21 years old, almost 22. Many of you have prayed for him because he had a really serious surgery weeks ago from today, which was a while. I was not on pastor God to go from today. 21 years ago, I wrote my first, he was a baby and put a set of priorities in place. And now he's 21, almost 22. And I can look back over the whole course of his life and say, because I did this, I was present in his life for these 21 years. All right. He's been with me at a couple of conferences and have met him in the past, but that's really important. Now, before we go into talking about how to invest your time best as a church leader, I just want to remind you, and I just put this in the chat, we are launching a new year of Pastor Guide, which I've been running now for three years, and Justin has joined the last six months. We're launching a whole new plan for next year. So essentially, we're going to meet with Pastor Guide members only next year. We've opened this for everybody for the last 10 weeks. But the first week of the month, we're going to interview known leaders and people that we believe can help you. So that we, we already have, we have we have Dr. Tony Morita who will be with us. We're going to move to Wednesdays in 2021. Wednesdays, all listen right at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And we have Tony Morita joining us on Wednesday, January the 6th uh, to, to do our first interview. Tony has written 16 books. He's an expert in teaching. Pre I've worked very closely with Tony. He's a, he's a powerful uh, expositor and powerful coach. So Tony will be with us uh, for our first week of the year in Pastor Guide. I want to remind you that we normally charge $125 of Pastor Guide. I couldn't remember, honestly, how much we charge. I didn't know anymore. And we're offering it to you uh, for people that came to this webinar. So there's a code over here. We're not publicizing it. We're not making it public because we're running another portion for everybody else. 
and it's $50 a month more than this. And so if you want to join Pastor God and join us, we'll be with you probably not 52 weeks next year, probably more like 45 weeks next year, key weeks off, uh, like you will for Thanksgiving, those sorts of things. But we will be with you a big part of now on a weekly basis to lead well in 2021. I really want to encourage you, invest, have your church invest a few dollars in your growth next year. Now, let's talk about, and you need this quickly, click the code, all right? Now, let's talk today about uh, priorities for this is the perfect time for you to rethink your priorities and make a plan for 2021. You guys, minutes ago, I, I just got off a Zoom call with my assistant 20 minutes ago. We're on, uh, we've been, sorry, it says my connection is unstable. I don't know why it's unstable. I have the best anybody can buy, but sometimes, all right? So if you lost me, hopefully you're back. Uh, we've been working on for the past week, my schedule for next year, because this is the time to do that kind of thing. All right. So I'm rethinking, how do I spend my time? How is it going to be best spent? In fact, I just decided in the last week not to do meet on Wednesdays next year. I'm going to do pastor on Wednesdays and I meet with Matt Chan on Wednesdays. That's all. Only those meetings. I'm doing no other meetings because Wednesday is going to be a day that I work on things rather than do a bunch of meetings, all right? So what I want to do is give you two or three key steps, and I want you to, man, get ready to type. This is just information. This is not payment. This is coaching, and I want to encourage you to apply these things, and then I'm going to ask Justin along the way, because he and I have worked on these years. We've been past together. We've been in coaching works together, and so I'm going to ask him how these things out as a pastor and I want to ask questions in the Q&A as well. Point number one that you must, you must, right? Write down, type it out. Here we go. Know clearly your top three or four priorities. All right. Know clearly your top three or four priorities. Now, Aubrey Malpers, legendary Dallas seminary professor from back in the day, used to say a pastor of any size church has three primary priorities. I'm not telling you you have to agree with everything he says. I'm just saying this is helpful. All right. Primary communicator, primary visionary, primary leader developer. Okay. So here's what I would say is I would say if you've got three to four priorities, I'm telling you, you have three or four Key priorities, like here's three key priorities for you, would be you need to preach, prepare and preach good sermons, okay? It's not okay for you to not prepare and preach sermons, so you need to allocate time to that. Second, you need to work on where the to go, all right? So when I say primary vision, I'm not meaning like you're the Moses of the church, but somebody has to be on where the church needs to go. Justin taught you to do that in our first week when he taught you how to write a plan. All right. So writing a plan is that. And then third, primary leader developer. All right. You need to be building into leaders, training leaders, doing leaders. We did a whole week on that also. All right, Justin, tell us how this is flushing out in your world. And you might add a couple of other things as well that you would say are key for pastors in their top three or four priorities. 
Yeah, no, I think those are the, the top three. And the way I think about this is, is a, a principle you guys have probably heard of, the Pareto principle, or better known as the 80-20 rule, right? So the idea is 80% of anything comes from 20%, 80% of outputs comes from 20% of inputs, right? And it's applicable in a bunch of different categories. But I think this is the maybe the most applicable for our conversation today to say, 80% of your value that you bring to your church comes from probably 20% of your inputs or your effort work. So focusing on being a communicator, uh, a visionary, and a leader developer is that 20%. That's the, the, the kind of uh, maximal output that you can get. So one of the ways to think about this is to go, okay, if I get 80% of my output from these three uh, efforts, these three activities, and that's my 20%, then now let's flip that and say, I want to give 80% of my attention to that 20% that gives me the 80% of outputs. I know it's a lot of math for you guys, but if we can give 80% of our energy to that 20%, we will only multiply the effectiveness of that time. So those are the three things. I, I think the only two things I would add, and these are in kind of two different categories. One is, I also think you're probably the primary problem solver on your team. Mm -hmm. um, the key to that though is to get in, solve the problem and get out, right? Uh, stay in the realm of strategy, not execution. So you will need to engage those problems, but don't get sucked into the vortex of those problems. Solve them, get out, okay? The other category would just be personal development. You just have to keep getting better, right? Uh, you have to grow, you have to develop, you gotta get better, uh, in, and that's gotta be a priority for you. So um, I think in terms of your role with your church or your organization, Definitely communication, vision, leadership development, or I would even just say leading the leaders, and that is inherently development. Um, but otherwise, you got to keep getting better, and you probably are solving most of the big problems in your church. That's solid. Totally agree with that. And you know, one of the things, in fact, we're going to do a future webinar on this, but I didn't know until probably years old, and now I'm 50 years old, but I didn't know until I was probably 40 years old that visioneering involves two different kinds of things. It involves sort of dreaming, you know, looking forward to the future. And it also involves problem solving. Both of those are visioneering. So what Justin said is true and solid. Totally agree. All right. So first, remember, first, this is step number one. All right. Coaching, write it down. Know clearly your top three to four priorities or five. Like Justin gave us two extras. You might say, hey, here's, here's my five top priorities. Preach and prepare great sermons, do the work of vision, do the work of problem solving, develop and work with my key leaders, and grow, right? Those are five really good priorities, okay? You might say, I've got 14 priorities. You can't have 14 priorities and excel at all of those, all right? Now, here's number two, all right? Point two, determine how much time you will spend on each of these priorities. Now, that's important as well. Now, let me give you some suggestions. Okay, now suggestions, you know, when I went to seminary, I learned preaching from Don Sanukian at Talbot Seminary. So uh, essentially, um, Don Sanukian taught me a way to preach. I took three classes with him. And then over the years, I developed my own style, but I still build on what I learned, you know, back then. So I'm going to give you a baseline. Okay, so preaching 12 hours a week. Now you might go, well, Justin probably doesn't spend that much time. I'm going to ask in a second how much time he spends. And it doesn't normally take me 12 hours to prepare a sermon anymore, 
because I've been preaching for 27 years and preached through much of the Bible. And so oftentimes I'm preaching something that I've studied in the past. But I remember, man, when I preached Ephesians for the first time, and I'm going through Ephesians, I'm reading, uh, I'm trying to think of the O'Brien and Honer, right? They go through these like Honers like that thick, and he's got T9 on on one verse, and I just took me some time to learn to preach, okay, so I would say 12 hours, all right, prepare each, now you might say it does not take me 12 hours, let's make that a max, not more than that, Keller used to say, you know, hours or 20 hours, it doesn't get much better in the next 12 hours, but I would say you should at least be spending six or eight hours, and maybe 12 hours would be a goal, all right, primary visionary, I would give four hours to that. I encourage people at least one morning a week. I coach a leader right now. He's a CEO of a big company. All days. I meet with him Tuesdays. All day Tuesdays. Uh, he works on where the company is. All right. As a pastor, as a church leader, as a ministry leader, I would encourage you spend four hours a week worrying on, working on where your church is going. Problem solving. All right. And then primary leader developer. 12 hours. So think of 12 for 12. Now, if you already know, I see Luke Simmons is on this call. Great to see you, Luke. He's an old friend of both of ours. Um, Luke's been preaching a long time. My guess is it doesn't take Luke 12 hours to prepare a sermon. Pat Cottrell, Michael Boyce is on this call. Mac, Michael Boyce has been preaching longer than some of you have been alive, you guys. That guy is amazing. Anyways, um, it might not take him 12 hours to prepare a sermon. Maybe it does, but I'm saying be clear on what your top four or five priorities are, and then how many hours do you want to give to each of those? Now, I'm going to toss this to Justin in just a minute to hear how he's doing this, but I, here's what I want to say. Like, you would think through this. You would go, for example, like one of the leaders I coach right now is in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You probably knew where Philadelphia was, you know, what state it was there. Probably didn't say Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but, but he gives Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday mornings to, to sermon preparation doesn't always take them all three, four hour time blocks. And then he gives Wednesday mornings to working on where the church is going to go. And then he gives afternoons to working with key leaders. So Justin, how are you flushing this out in real time at Icon Church in Seattle? Yeah, I'll just give broad categories. This is a, a, a topic that both Brian and I could talk a lot about. It's something that I care about a lot. I read a lot about kind of personal management and scheduling, optimizing my schedule and all that kind of stuff. I, every, my wife gives me a hard time that every solution, that the solution to every problem is schedule and calendar. And, and uh, that's not totally wrong. Uh, and, and I would stick by it. So I am constantly tweaking my schedule, um, but broad strokes, I give six hours a week to sermon prep. And, and that's a little bit, uh, I'll, I'll qualify that just to say that is six hours in three, two hour time blocks um, where I've split up what I'm doing in those time blocks. Uh, and that's just dedicated. All I'm doing is preparing a specific sermon. Okay. I say that because a lot of my personal development, reading and visionary time, it overlaps, right? Like I'm, I'm learning things all the time from other books and other things. I'm reading a book called What is God by Richard Bauckham right now, uh, where uh, it, it, it's given me all kinds of good stuff for, for future sermons and current sermons, but it's not directly sermon prep reading, right? So I would separate those two things. So always when I'm reading and developing that, that stuff overlaps with preaching, but it's six hours specifically for sermon prep. Uh, 
Um, my visionary time, uh, I give six hours for reading every week. And that might seem high to some of you guys who feel like you're drowning and you might be very jealous of six hours for reading time. Uh, don't be, just make it happen. Uh, it, it's absolutely critical that you are constantly learning and growing and, and enter, you know, bringing new concepts into your mind uh, to be thinking about and wrestling with. And so I try to read in multiple different categories all the time, personal development, church and function, leadership, uh, theology, and then some sort of history or nonfiction, right? Like that's, that's gotta be kind of a broad plate of learning, uh, to just keep growing. And that's kind of the long play of vision. And then I set aside three hours a week for whiteboard. Uh, I, and my, I tell people all the time, I am satisfied in my professional life. If I have a pulpit and a whiteboard, that's all I need. And so give me some, give me three hours a week of whiteboard time. Typically that's on Wednesday mornings for me. Uh, and I can dream and think about what the future holds. And then the last thing is we talked about this leadership uh, week. We have three teams that I'm the head of, right? Our staff team, our elder team, and our leadership team. And we talked about how we break that down in a previous uh, episode. Um, but I, I am the head of those three teams. And so I take time to prep for those three meetings. And I, I will tell you this, uh, if you spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes ideally, but at least 15 minutes, prepping for those those meetings your meetings will go 100 better right that's something we'll talk about in the future how to prep for meetings uh but man that's that's kind of how i break it down and and kind of how i see my role and and the uh the way in which i lead those teams and execute those priorities um the only thing i would add to this is just there there really isn't anything else you should be giving your time to right like if you just gave your time, so it's not just priorities. This is this should be very near the totality of your world. Um, and if you've got twelve other things that are are on your list, um, the next thing you got to do is start cutting things off your list and delegating and automating and and eliminating uh, stuff from your life. So not only are these priorities that you should focus on, but this should be just about all you're doing. That is a key, key thing. I don't want that to get lost, so I want to re-emphasize it. This is not what, what we're talking about here with preparing excellent sermons, working on where the church needs to go, working on your development, and doing uh, and, and spending time with key leaders and up-and-coming leaders. Like That is essentially your job, okay? So if you're designing like graphic design stuff and you're driving to the mailbox 38 times a day and all kinds of things that somebody else can do. That's not your job. Okay. And so I would say like, you know, it's, it took me five, my, it took me five years to learn a really good system of preaching. And then I learned, I need three time blocks to preach. Well, now I do know people that, you know, start their sermon on Thursday at noon and finish uh, Thursday, you know, Thursday at midnight. I used to coach Russ, Dr. Russell Moore and he would, prepare sermons, you know, in ways that nobody else I've ever seen prepare sermons, you know, but I think for most of us, like I'm not Russell Moore, you're probably not either. He's about 12 times smarter than I am. Uh, so I would say most of us need to be setting aside time blocks for these things. Now, okay, please start to ask us questions. There's already some coming in. I see one from TC and I'm going to answer it. But what I want to do is I want to talk through making a plan for your week. Okay. So think about this. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire a bunch of stuff. You write this stuff down. Pay attention. Here we go. All right, 
first of all, I just want to encourage you to think in time blocks. I didn't create that up, create that. That's not, or make that up myself. That's not Brian Howard wisdom. I've read 20, 25 books on priorities a lot, you know, and most good priority management systems tell you to think in time blocks. All right. Which, which would mean next group like things together. Right now, what is a time block? I would say there's three time blocks on a given day. There's morning, there's afternoon and evening. So I was talking to Justin recently and he said to me, hey, I've, I've structured my mornings like this and my afternoons more like this. And I think that's really wise, you know? So same thing I do, mornings are a particular kind of thing, afternoons are, so you have three time blocks in a day. Let's say you have eight to 12, one to five, six to 10, all right? So think in time blocks and then group like things together. Okay, so for example, on Tuesdays, I have a team of directors that I lead, and that's eight people. So I do a meeting with those directors at 8.30 in the morning, all right? So I do a meeting with those directors, and then I do one-on-ones with those directors. On Thursdays, I work with, with um, regional executive directors of Acts 29 in the morning, all right? And then I also work with our Catalyst team in the morning, and then I do one-on-ones with them. So I group like things together. All right, that's really important. Here's another thing. Think in the morning, talk in the afternoon. All right, remember that. That's not the only way to go about it. It's one way to go about it. Think in the morning, talk in the afternoon. One way to organize your life is to go, my think time is going to be in the morning. Now, what does that mean? It means my sermon prep time, my vision time, my development time, and my, my people time is going to be in the afternoon. Okay, so I'm going to give you an alternate way to do this, but that might work for you. It's work, it doesn't work for me now, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but it worked for me for many, many years. I read a book a couple of years ago called When, The Science of Timing, and it talks about the fact that every person has what's called, you know, a peak, a trough, and a rebound, all right? So the book was really interesting. It said like 500,000 more people die in hospitals in afternoons than, than they do in the mornings, and it's like, don't ever get a medical procedure done in the afternoon. All right, that's going to haunt you now that I just told you that, because essentially uh, a person's attention is not as sharp in the afternoon, peak a trough and a rebound. So, so lots of time management systems will tell you, get your most important stuff done in the morning. It doesn't matter if you get up at six or at nine. I mean, it might matter to you. I'm just saying, think in the morning, talk in the afternoon. So what you might do is you might say, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, sermon prep blocks in the morning. And then Wednesday morning, I'm going to work on the church. And then afternoons, maybe I'll have lunch meetings with people. And then afternoons is when I'm going to spend time doing my meetings. So here's another way to do it is people days and non-people days. All right, now this is how I do it now. So I have people days and non-people days. Then I'm going to share my screen with you in a second and just show you a general idea of how my week flushes out, all right? So just so you can see this, I'm hoping you can see this. I need to make it uh, larger here. So if you could just see, like, I don't do meetings on Wednesdays and Fridays, except I do meet with Matt Chandler on Wednesdays and Doug Logan. But for the most part, I call these deep work days. And I have Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays where I can do meetings with people, all right? So I have people days, and hopefully you didn't screenshot that and make it public, all right, don't do it, all right, so, uh, but um, for me right now, it's people days and non-people days, now, it doesn't mean that I don't ever do a meeting on a Wednesday, there's, like, I'm going to do pastor God on Wednesdays next year, because I want to coach you guys, right, 
But generally speaking, I've got to carve out that time to do that deep work. And I don't preach every week. And so I don't, I've been preaching every week for the past nine or 10 weeks, but not normally right now. So I don't have to have that sermon prep time all the time. All right, Justin, how do you do this in terms of like, how do you do, you do people time in the mornings and non-people time or non-people days? How does this flush out with you? Yeah, I have, uh, I, I, one of the things you taught me actually is to pick kind of a most important thing uh, for every single day. Like what's my main priority for a given day? So across my calendar at the top, it says MIT, most important thing. And what's the number one priority for that day? So that kind of sets my day priority. Um, and then I do the morning afternoon thing. So one of the uh, kind of productivity writers that I enjoy a lot, a guy by the name of Brendan Burchard, um, talks about how you should never really work on one thing for more than about 50 minutes, five zero. And then take 10 minutes and walk around the office, go outside, take a deep breath, do some stretching, whatever, and then get back at it. Um, that can be a little dangerous because 10 minutes can easily turn into 30 if you get on your phone or something. So you have to be really disciplined about it. Um, but I do basically two, two, or two one hour blocks in the morning, a nine, and I take a little break and then a 10 gets done at 11 before I do email. And then I, I reserve my lunches for meetings. And then I do the same thing in the afternoons with two, two hour blocks um, and take little kind of stretch breaks in, in between each of those two hour blocks. So yeah, I, I, I have learned this stuff from you and, and mostly follow that morning, afternoon, think in the morning, people in the afternoon kind of set up. Good. I think that works really well for pastors because I don't like to see when a pastor gets to Friday and hasn't worked on his sermon yet. Now, sometimes that's going to happen because you had a, you know, maybe you had a week full of COVID sick people in your church and you, I don't know, you're, you're dealing with some crises, right? But if every week's a crisis, um, you've got to, every week shouldn't be a crisis. And so I like to see you being able to prioritize the preparation of this sermon early in the week. All right. Now, here's the next thing I want to say to you is so far, I've told you think in time blocks, three a day, group like things together. Think in the morning, talk in the afternoon, or have people days and no people days. I want to say to you, guard your sermon prep times fiercely. All right, I've been around a long time. I'm older than many of you. Guard those times fiercely. Okay, so if you've got sermon prep on Tuesday mornings, uh, and that's when you're going to do it on Thursday mornings, and then someone says to you on Sunday, hey, guess what? I got a dentist appointment on Tuesday. I'm free. Can we meet for coffee at 10 a.m.? Uh, there's a whole strategy that Greg Surratt taught me from Seacoast Grace in Charleston, South Carolina, about how to deal with this. We'll do this another time. I've taught it in Pastor Guide before, but but you've got to remember, hey, Tuesdays are my sermon prep days, all right? So that's where you got to, and you got to go, man, I would love to be with you on Tuesday, but I can't because Tuesday morning and Thursday mornings when I work on my sermon, you know you want me to preach a good sermon, you know, so you can throw yourself under the bus and, and be lighthearted about it, but guard those sermon prep times fiercely, whenever they are. For Justin, it's three two-hour time blocks. For for some of you, I know guys like Michael Boyce and Sam Brummett that are on the call that are a little older, that they've been preaching for a long time, probably have this wired. For you younger preachers, it's going to take a little longer sometimes for you to prepare sermons. Guard those sermon prep times fiercely, all right? Here's the next thing I want to say is take control of your week before everyone else does, all right? So how do I do that? It means that I plan next week, this week, all right? So I'm right now, I'm planning January, okay? So I have a full-time assistant. 
I was going to have her on this call today, but I forgot to send her the link. And so I don't think she's on it, but I have a full-time assistant who is planning my January out right now. She knows exactly how many meeting spots I have and who I need to meet with. And I mean, I have a list of 30 people, which we're going to talk about in a second. And I've got some of these people I need to meet with once a month. Some of them I need to meet with every other week. All right. So she, she's building this out. So if you go into a Sunday and you don't have a plan for next week yet, man, you are in trouble because people are going to come to you on Sunday, at least when you're meeting outside of COVID, right? They're going to come to you and say, hey, can you meet me this week? And you're going to be just making off-the-cuff decisions all the time. Cannot do that. So for years and years, always plan next week on Thursday or Friday of this week. Now, because of my level, you know, I'm the executive director of Acts 29. I, you know, I've got a lot going. I've got to be planning in advance. So plan next week, this week. Don't ever finish a Friday or Thursday until next week is planned. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a couple of open meetings in there, all right? But plan next week, this week. Now, I've got a couple more things, uh, and then we're going to take some questions here. So ask us questions in the Q&A. This is critical, what I'm about to tell you, okay? Please get this. Understand proactive versus reactive people time, and you do need both, okay? Proactive versus reactive people time. Proactive people time is these are the 12 leaders that Justin is actively investing in in a given week. All right. Years ago, when I was being coached by Dave Kraft, the first ministry coach I ever had 20 years ago, I remember Dave Kraft said to me, Brian, you can only really have a congregation of 25 or 30 people that you are engaged with on a regular basis right down that congregation. Now, he's not saying I can't pastor a church of 300 people. He was, because at that time, our church was larger than that. He was saying, you cannot actively engage with 150 people every week. You can't do that. There's not time for you to do that. So, so I have a proactive list of people that I need to spend time with every single week. All right. And so if I, if I, if I look at this, I'm just going to share the screen with you again and show you this real quick. Um, uh, I would just say, I've got a list of people I need to meet with weekly. And I've got a list of people I need to meet with every other week. And I've got a list of people I need to meet with, um, every, you know, once a month, that sort of thing. So it's clear to me who I need to meet with, when I need to meet with them proactively. Now, what is reactive time? All right. Reactive time means I need to leave some time in my schedule. I need to leave some time in my schedule for people in the church to meet with me. Okay. You're not a celebrity rock star. All right. So you're, you're like, you, it's like, Hey, I, I can get a meeting with Michael Boyce in six months, you know, because he's such a rock star. Not really. Michael's a good pastor. He's in Santa Barbara. I know him well, uh, you know, Samuel Choi's on the call. He's up the call for up the road for me. Like I've got to be able to meet with the pastor. Okay. So even John Piper on Thursday afternoons, he was always open. He had some open availability. So, and so what is you're probably not pastored a church of 25,000 people being flying out in a flown out in a helicopter after you preach, you know, God forbid. So have a little bit of reactive time in there. Have three open lunches. Have a Thursday afternoon where you're open because if someone tries to get a meeting with you and you pass for a church of 200 people and you're like, well, I could do a meeting with you in five months, I would say, yeah, you probably need to be a little more available than that. All right. So having said that, 
think in time blocks, group like things together, think in the morning, talk in the afternoon, or have people days and no people days. Guard your sermon prep times fiercely. Take control of your week before everyone else does. Plan next week, this week. Understand proactive and reactive people time so that you can leave times for availability to anyone in the church. Now, listen, right now, I have four or five open meetings every single week. And so I have three meetings this afternoon of people that are reactive people time. They're not people that I'm coaching. They're not leaders that I'm leading, but they're people that I that have requested meetings with me. And they're people that I'm going to meet with this afternoon. And then I have a proactive meeting today at 2 p.m. with the president and CEO that I coach. All right. So I'll meet with him today as well. And so all that to say proactive and reactive people time. All right. I'm going to have Justin just give us a five minutes maybe of how this works out in real time for him. And then we're going to take Q&A from this point on. Yeah, uh, all of those principles are really good. The only the only thing I would say to build on that one is the the kind of uh, vicious way, and that's not the word Brian used, but the the fierce way that we guard our our sermon prep time um, should only be a, a a way to practice fiercely guarding all of our time, right? Like there that that should be the norm for us that we are really proactive and then really strong about our schedule. So um, here, here's a, uh, Brian gave you, I think the ideal principles that have guided, I know my schedule making. Uh, let me give you a few steps of kind of where to go from here. One is you have to make or have a clear vision for where you're gonna go and what the end game is. If you can't envision what your goal is and what your life is like in terms of how you're allocating your time, how many hours you're working, when those hours are, what hours you're giving to your family or hobbies or whatever else you're doing, your health, working out, everything else. If you don't have a clear vision of what the goal is, you'll never get there, right? So you have to start with the vision for where you're going. And there's a whole bunch of books that can help you do that. One I'll recommend just today, because I know we always want a book recommendation, is Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt. It's super good. It's just a, a kind of a comprehensive system for how to build focus and clarity uh, for your life. Um, but it starts with a vision plan, right? Your productivity vision. I just printed this out, so I had it available here. You start here to go, this is what my life would look like ideally, right? Then you start to make a plan, right? You establish your priorities, you, you build out your schedule. Once you have done that, one key piece that I think a lot of people miss is once you've built your schedule, once you've made your plan, communicate that plan to people who matter, right? To gatekeepers. So that's probably your wife or your husband if you're a woman on the call. Uh, it's key people in your family. It's your assistant or executive pastor or executive director or operations director, whatever that key gatekeeper is um, to, to kind of your life and, and your time, communicate the plan so that everybody's on the same page, right? Our whole staff, and we're just a first year, well now second year church plant, uh, and, and so we don't have a huge staff or anything, but our whole staff has mornings for deep work afternoons for meetings. So we all do the same thing, right? So we made a plan and then we made a plan that we won't kind of step on each other about. I don't check my Slack or my email until 11 a.m. And my whole team knows that. So they don't try to get in touch with me. Uh, my phone doesn't receive phone calls until 11 a.m. unless it's my wife, right? 
So you have to communicate that plan with the people around you or else you'll be constantly fighting for your schedule. Try to make everybody be on the same schedule to whatever degree you can so that you're working together on this stuff because it's so easy to get disrupted. So once you've communicated that plan, you just have to execute the plan, okay? So execute the first plan and then you're gonna find holes that you'll have to tweak and fix and change. Great, tweak and execute, tweak and execute over and over and over and over and over. The number one thing you have to do is learn to say no. That's it. You have to learn to say no. And that's going to get wrapped up in your ADD, your Enneagram 7, your whatever, like your desire to do other things. It's also going to get wrapped up in your kind of guilt, shame, pastor complex of I've got to say yes to anyone who wants to meet with me. False. That's not true. That is not your number one priority. It's not your only priority. Make a schedule. Like Brian said, you have to build that reactive time, but keep it to that reactive time. And that's kind of the genius of time blocking is you can move time blocks around as necessary. So if you have two one-hour time blocks for reactive meetings in your schedule, and they can only do Tuesday, you know, Tuesday morning of some certain day, some certain time, great. But swap it out with another block. Okay. Don't just take things out. Don't add them willy nilly. You can move blocks around to make your schedule fit. And that's a, a real genius part of it. But it, it really does come down to your willingness and ability to say no and to have clarity around what your schedule is because you have clarity around where you're going and what the goal is. So I, I think that's super, can be super helpful to you. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Now we're going to take some questions. Before we do that, I just posted post of the code in here again. I really want to encourage you. Today's the last time we're going to see you until January the 6th when we'll have Tony Marita on. So let us coach you next year through all of next year. So I wanted to remind you one more time. Don't forget to click that link if you want to want us to coach you next year. Now, let's take some questions. All right. We've got six or seven in here already. I'm going to start with um, TC's question. All right. Good to see you, TC. He says, does the 12 hours of leadership development a week include spending time with people who are already leaders like elders and staff? Yes, absolutely it does. Okay, so, and here's what I'm after here and others. So what I'm after here is I'm after um, you spending time with people that are going to spend time with other people. Okay, so leadership development just doesn't mean like I'm developing college students. When I say leader development, I mean spending time with key leaders. Uh, already leaders, not yet leaders, but I'm spending time with people that are going to go spend time with more people. Okay, so um, if, if I'm spending time with, a, with our, I'm, I'm meeting with our children's director, our children's director is going to go spend a bunch more time leading our children's ministry. That's good time spent. If I'm spending time with our small group leaders, that's leadership development. We're, they're going to go invest in a bunch of other people. All right, so I'll have to say yes. You don't have to be super legalistic about this time. What you have to do is basically say, hey, I'm going to invest my time in people that are going to invest their time in other people, okay? If you have a church of 150 people, and I know you, some of you have churches of 50 and some of you have churches of 2,000, okay? So, but if you have a church of 150 people, I'm going to sort of split the difference here. You shouldn't be trying to spend equal time with all 150 people. Okay, what you should be doing is you should be spending time with 12, 15, 18, 20 people, and those people should be spending time with another 12, 15, 18, 20 people or whatever. Okay, so, 
And, you know, that goes to Chris Moran's question, which I'm just going to go ahead and answer as a part of this. Do we delegate all care and shepherding to others as the lead pastoral elder? Well, first of all, Chris, I would say there's different philosophies of ministry here. So I'm not a Richard Baxter guy necessarily, you know. So what I would say is I, I would say my role is not to do a, a ton of care and shepherding. My role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Okay, so if my role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, I am investing. Um, and, and again, this comes down to your, your philosophy of pastoral ministry. So there are people that just believe, uh, and it's mainly small church pastors who believe my role is to just care for and shepherd people. Look, I'm a church planter and so is Justin. We believe our role is to lead people to Christ. We believe our role is to disciple those people to lead other people to Christ. We believe our role is to equip people to do ministry, not to do all the ministry ourselves. Okay, so that's where I would say um, the more time I am equipping people to do ministry. Now, I'm not, again, you're not a rock star. I'm just saying the more time I'm, I'm equipping people to do ministry, the better. All right, Justin, why don't you take this question? What things do you typically think through during your vision time? What systems or software do you use or how do you think about this time? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Cody. Uh, one, in terms of systems and software, I use a pretty complicated software program called the Whiteboard. Uh, and uh, that's, I, I love whiteboards because I like to just see it kind of all out in front of me, right? And I can erase and I can move and change things easily. Um, I had recently got a little tablet thing called the Remarkable. And I love that. I've really enjoyed that. It's the Remarkable 2. It's their recent release. And it's, uh, yeah, look it up. Uh, it's, it's really good. But whiteboards, honestly, are, are my number one go-to thing. And I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about problem solving. I'm thinking about what's next. I mean, this is my conviction about why every church needs a lead pastor that's clearly articulated as such, is somebody has to be waking up every morning going, all right, what's next? Where are we going? What's next? Where are we going? What's next? Where are we going? And if, that, if there's nobody doing that, nobody sees their responsibility as that, church won't go anywhere and they won't address what's next, right? So uh, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, hey, what do we need? What problems do we need to solve? What's our next hire? Um, how, what's our next sermon series? What's the next thing that's going to matter to our church? And this is part of what we're going to do in Pastor Guide. One of the weeks we're going to go, okay, it's January, guys. What should we be thinking about? Uh, well, in January, you should be starting to think about Easter, right? There should be, you should be thinking about, hey, in January, lots of people, January, February, people start to come to church typically uh, because of New Year's resolutions and moves and all that. How are we going to get these people connected? What are we doing? So it's what is my main problem that I need to solve or what's the next thing we need to do? And I'm whiteboarding that. And occasionally it's what is the word from the Lord that I've received that we need to execute on? Uh, but it's mostly problem solving and what's next. All right. I can't improve on that answer because that was excellent. So let's go on to Jason B. See, if people like your question, it gets pumped to the top. I don't know if you knew that. So you guys need to send some friends, some text messages and say like, because Jason Beller got his pushed up to the top because all the XPs are in the house and they <laughs> want some XP answers. All right. And you know what? Granted, my bad. I talked a lot to lead pastors today. I think we both did, but we know that a lot of you are not lead pastors, and I'm not a lead pastor right now. Okay, so I'm with UXPs. I'm in your tribe. All right. So listen, Jason Beller from Cleveland Rocks. I know Jason well. 
uh, downtown Cleveland. He says, if there aren't enough XPs on the call, oh, I don't have to read that part. He says, what broad priorities would you advise for XPs who don't preach regularly? Jason, there's not a perfect answer to this. And the reason there's not is because the executive pastor role is, it's not a one size fits all. Okay. So it used to be that only big, huge churches had executive pastors and you had like the lead pastor and then the executive pastor, and then the whole staff reported to the executive pastor. But the term executive pastor means several different things in several different contexts. And so what I would say is you're going to have to make sure that your role is defined clearly. Okay. So if your role is defined clearly, and that's usually a dialogue, right? Like what is the lead pastor doing? What, what is my role? It's going to become pretty clear what my top three or four priorities are. For example, if you lead the staff as an executive pastor, a big part of your priority is going to be to, to uh, schedule meetings, do one-on-ones, like it's gonna be a lot of leader development time. But I would say the key answer to this question is, um, is making sure that your priorities are clear. So Justin, you just grabbed the book, leading me to believe that you have something to say here. Yeah, uh, uh, that was subtle. Um, I, uh, I highly recommend this book uh, to everybody, Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. This book, especially if you're an XP uh, or you're a lead pastor who has or wants an XP, it is fantastic. It's a business book, so you'll have to do some translation, but it's honestly not hard to do the translation. Um, it's a super helpful book to think through the way a lead pastor and executive pastor can work together. Their language is visionary and integrator, but you swap out those words and it is a really helpful book. So highly recommend that. Um, and, and that will help bring clarity to your role. And then you're going to apply that same Pareto principle. What's the 20% of my job that gets 80% of the outputs? And how can I give 80% of my energy to that 20%? That's the same question we're all asking. We've just identified that for lead pastors. Right on. Okay. I'm going to let Justin answer Scott Prentice's question first. Great to see you, Scott. Just talked to Scott a couple of days ago. Scott's in Pittsburgh dealing with the snowstorm right now. Uh, I know you got a bunch of snow because we were talking on the phone a couple of days ago. So uh, Justin, tackle this. Do you schedule your own time or do you work with an executive assistant? Because you and I are going to have different answers on this. Uh, so just answer that part, maybe not the tips on working with an executive assistant. Yeah, I'll give you the second uh, uh, answer, second question there, because I don't, I don't have an executive assistant. And that's actually something, an area that I've told Brian, I need to grow in. I don't, I don't know how to maximize an assistant and I've never been good at it. Um, and so I schedule my own time, which is why I'm always tweaking my schedule uh, and tweaking my calendar. So Brian, what are some tips for working with an assistant? All right. So listen, um, I cannot live without an assistant at this point. I just didn't have an assistant for six weeks because I cannot physically keep up with all the demands on my time. It was not like that when I was pastoring a church of 50 people, 150 people, 250 people. Although um, in Pastor Guide, I, I have done extensive writing and speaking on how to hire an assistant, why you need an assistant, how to work with an assistant, mistakes that leaders make with an assistant. I just hired a new assistant who started 10 days ago, and I've been training her constantly. 30 people applied for the job. I had my team interview lots of different people. Uh, they chose one person. I've been working with her now for about 10 days. So, Scott, I'm not going to give you a ton of tips on working with an assistant on this call because there's just not time. 
but I'll do, a, I have a whole series of videos of pastor guide that address that. And I'll just say, man, I've been working. I've had, I probably had 20 assistants over 25 years and I'm going to do some work with Justin on this next year, because this is something he hasn't really had to do. And I'm going to help him go to a new level on this as well. So anyways, um, I would say I don't schedule most of my own time anymore. My assistant does, but Justin's pastoring a church of a couple, 300 people that he planted in Seattle. So his time, like we're in two different worlds right now. His time's a little different than mine. So it's going to depend on the role you're in as well. Yes, Scott Custer, well done. Um, check out World Class Assistant by Michael Hyatt. I did read that and loved it. All right, let's go to Dylan Bird and I'm going to, I'll answer this one. Um, and then uh, I'll toss it to Tim Stewart's question to Justin, maybe. So Dylan says, um, when you meet with directors of different ministries together, how do you structure that gathered meeting? What are the priorities of that meeting as opposed to the one I want? Okay, I'm not trying to be salesy with you. I'm telling you, I have a body of work that I have put together that answers these questions in Pastor Guide. Okay, so I did a whole six-week series on meetings. So I'm going to try to give you like two quick minutes on this, okay? Uh, but I've done hours and hours on this, okay? So listen, um, there's a you have to have a whole meeting structure for your ministry, okay? So you have to have a whole meeting structure. I lead a lot of people, and I have very clear meeting structures and accountability around those meeting structures, okay? So if, for example, I meet with my directors every Tuesday morning at 8.30, there are eight of them, Okay. And that's a very structured time, okay, in the sense of every one of those directors has written a clear annual plan for the ministry area that he or she leads. They've submitted that, which I coach you through that also. They've submitted that to me. I've approved of it. They've rolled it out to the whole rest of the team. When we get into that meeting right now, which is a Zoom meeting because, you know, things have been different because of COVID, right? Um, that's an hour-long meeting that essentially... Um, they're giving an update on what they're working on to the rest of the team. We're keeping track of accomplishments. I'm communicating a few key things. It's an hour only. The one-on-one -on -one meeting is a coaching meeting that's not an information dump, all right? The one-on-one -on -one is a coaching meeting that's for them. So what I would say is that's about all I can give you because we can't, Dylan, I appreciate the question because I don't want to minimize your question. This is, you're asking the right question. It's just that we need another hour to go through all of this. Uh, but you absolutely, nobody loves miserable meetings. You need a plan for meetings, all right? And so I'll teach you that as we go forward next year, all right? Let's go to Tim Stewart's question. I'll toss this to Justin. In a church plant or replant situation, which Justin's been in both of those, there's a need for outreach, evangelism, making disciples. Can that fall under the priorities of developing leaders? Justin, what would you say to that? Yeah, good question, Tim. And I think I almost want to just take a step back and think about all of this stuff more philosophically. So I can't remember the name of the guy who asked the question earlier about a lead pastor's responsibility to shepherd and care for people. I, the way I look at this is to say, it is, it is your responsibility to make sure that everyone in your church is being shepherded and cared for. It's, the responsi it's your responsibility to make sure that your church is doing outreach and evangelism. That does not mean that you have to do all of the outreach and evangelism. It does not mean that you have to do all the shepherding and care. In fact, if it does, you will do less overall shepherding and caring, and you will do less outreach and evangelism if it has to be done by you. 
you have to think about your world as a pulley system, right? So if you just have a single rope trying to lift a thousand pounds, you won't be able to do it. If it's in a pulley system and it's routed the way that physics works, you can lift a thousand pounds. That is leadership development. It's you leveraging your time so that when you are meeting with, uh, as you know, spend one hour meeting with 12 leaders, you have 12x your impact by doing that. You invest in them, they go do the work. That's more than what you can do. Now, does that get you off the hook from doing personal evangelism and outreach yourself? Of course not. That's what all Christians should do. Does it get you off the hook from doing care and shepherding? Of course not. That's what pastors do. But if you are only doing that and not leveraging, you're, you're not uh, impacting your city and town and church the way that you could. So I, I would just think about the responsibilities of your church and then your responsibility as a Christian and separate those two things. Your job then as the pastor is to make sure your church is doing what your church needs to do. And then you need to obey the, the Great Commission yourself as a Christian, right? So I, I think a lot of guys talk themselves into some of the kinds of things that we're talking about because either they want to do those things, they would love to spend 12 hours a week uh, shepherding and caring for people. And if that's the case, maybe you should be a counselor, right? Uh, or you want to spend 12 hours a week doing outreach and evangelism, in which case maybe you should be a missionary. But if you are a lead pastor of a church, your responsibility is for your church to be accomplishing those things. And the best way to do that is by leadership development, which is a leverage system that you're using to multiply your impact. So that is gold uh, right there. I hope that's yeah. helpful. That's gold. That advice is spot on and gold. And if you're not a lead pastor, you know, your priorities are a little bit different, but hopefully you can take these principles and apply them as well. Not we're just going to take one quick question, and then let me, let me begin to wrap us up and give you a preview of what's coming next, all right? So Kirk Krager, good to see Kirk. He says that the Kirk lived in Manchester, England for many, many years. Uh, he says that the lead pastor has admitted he doesn't have the strength of leadership development. So that's Kirk saying he's not the lead pastor, that somebody else is, and has acknowledged you, a former church planner in that strength. How can they work together in vision and leadership development to help the vision of the church go forward? Well, this feels like two different things we're talking about. We're talking about leadership development, and then we're talking about vision for leadership, a vision for the church, I guess. So I think my quick answer to this, Kirk, would be to say uh, the important thing is that you have clear communication around who is going to do what. Okay, so if it's if the lead pastor says, hey, I, you know, I, I'm not necessarily the greatest leader developer, I, well, I'm, I don't completely understand that because I think that's part of the role of a lead pastor, you know. But I, but I would also say maybe he's more of a theologian and a teacher, and he's going to focus more on maybe being more like a teaching pastor or something like that. And he said, hey, you are the guy that has developed leaders. Then I think I don't completely understand. I'm, I'm probably missing something in the question. But I think say is I would say you need to be clear on what he's going to do. You need to be clear on what you're going to do uh, and just make sure that there's clarity on who's going to own what. All right. So maybe that's not the best answer in the world, Craig, but that's uh, the best I have for you in the short amount of time we have. Justin, say. Yeah, that. I'll just add one quick thing there, uh, Kirk. I, um, I'm nervous for you, Kirk, uh, because uh, if, if one guy is an influencer uh, by the stage, you know, in his presence on the stage, and another guy is, influence, is an influencer 
by leading all the leaders, which is a huge piece, um, then your relationship with the other guy is going to be the thing that matters the most. I've been in this situation before, uh, and I know others who have as well. And if you two aren't simpatico, on the same page, high trust, good relationship, moving in the same direction, that has the potential to be super frustrating for you and super frustrating for the other guy and really confusing for your church. So that would be my highest priority is focus on that relationship. Yeah, that is that is spot on as well. Hey, uh, we got two minutes, so don't sign off quite yet. Give us two more minutes. Hey, this, man, this stuff we taught you today, if you take this and do it, you will pastor more effectively and lead more effectively. We encourage you to do that. January 6th, Wednesday morning, put it on your calendar right now, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 o'clock if you're on the East Coast, 12 p.m. if you're Central, 11 if you're in the Mountain States. All right, we will be back together with Tony Morita. will be with us on that Wednesday, January 6th. We'll be coaching you guys all through next year. Looking forward to it. Make sure you have this link. If you can't find the link, send one of us an email uh, so you can sign up with this discount code. By the way, we will close this down at the end of the year. All right. So it's not a, it's not, this isn't a permanent offer. This is like, you can, we're going to close this down. So if you're, uh, and then we're going to roll forward with who's joined us for next year. So we have some, some consistency. I like to be able to look and know Scott Custer and Scott Prentice and Samuel Choi and Ryan Taylor and the guys that are here. All right. So all I have to say, Hey, have an amazing Christmas. Uh, we're hopeful for you and prayerful for you that you will have some good downtime and rest with your family and that you'll be safe during this time of COVID and that you'll, you will continue to grow during this time. So we'll see you all back here on January 6th. Everyone who chooses to join us. All right. And uh, that's it for us. See you later for 2020. Bye guys.